a good evening. I told them it's supposed to start raining just as I start preaching. I hope that's true. Romans chapter 4. I hope you've read this and looked at it before we get ready to talk about it tonight. Very interesting subject. I've spent a few days working on it. We've been over it a couple of times with other people, and I hope that you can gain some of our knowledge that will help you tonight. As we begin this chapter, it talks about Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham is the greatest or one of the greatest examples of faith that we have in the Bible. Abraham believed God. And that belief led him to obey God and do what God said. Can you imagine? God said, Abraham, you leave your country and you go to a land that I'm going to show you. Not going to tell you where it is, but I'll show you as you go along. Travel some 900 miles on a camel, on a donkey, or on foot. One or the other, I have no idea. But it took a lot of faith for a man to get up and take his wife and start on such a journey. And that faith was tested repeatedly as we get into the scriptures and as we look tonight. First three verses of Romans. What then shall we say? That Abraham our fathers, our father was, has found and according to the flesh. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were off to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That faith that Abraham had was counted as being right or righteous before God. We're going to talk about that some more, but I want you to remember that statement. His faith or that his belief was accounted to him for righteousness. Now let's go to another scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 3. Verse 6 and 7. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those that are of faith are sons of Abraham. When you look at this scripture, it says again that Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness, and we know only that those that are of faith are counted unto him as sons of Abraham. Now I want to look at some scripture with you in the book of Genesis chapter 15, beginning at verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, or I have no children? Or I'll get it right in a minute. Seeing I go childless. And the heir of my house 
as Elazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, and indeed one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, you take a man that is a, nearly a hundred years old, and he are told that he's going to have children, he's going to have descendants, he's going to have a son. Take a lot of faith to believe that. Abraham was already past what he called the childbearing years, but yet he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In James chapter 2, James refers to Abraham. He said, But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Now I want to say as we began this study tonight that these two do not contradict each other. One of them said he was justified by works. The other said he was justified by faith. They work hand in hand, and we're going to get to that a little more as we go along. But let me affirm as we began this that faith only, as a lot of people preach today, is not sufficient. Look at what Abraham's faith led him to do. And we're going to turn now to Genesis chapter 22 and read more of the faith of Abraham. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham... And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon the mountain which I will tell thee of. Now, you fathers tell me that didn't take some faith. Abraham, you take Isaac. You love him very dearly. He's your only son. But you take him and go over there to that mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon, his, upon Isaac his son. 
And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here, I, here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And Abraham stretched forth his hand I skipped a verse. Verse number 9, And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar, laid the wood there in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called out unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, and seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him for a burnt offering, in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it was seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because you have done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his, of this, of his enemies, and thy seed shall be and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. What did God tell Abraham? He said, because you have done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, God wanted him to make that sacrifice. He tested his faith, if you will, and put it to the utmost test. And then he was promised, In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Again, let's look about Abraham. In Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, 
from whence he had also received him in a figure. Abraham believed God enough that he had given that son. When he was past the years of having a son, he received him as from the dead. And he said, if I take his life, God is able also again to give it back unto me. That Abraham's faith led him to obey exactly what God had told him to do. Now let's stop for a moment. I want to define faith if I can. Faith leads men to do the things that he in whom he believes commands. Faith is not just saying, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. That's not good enough. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse number 46, And why call you me, Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say. So now we have the story of Abraham. We have his faith depicted. We have his obedience laid out before us. We know that he had faith because we see what he did because of that faith. How many times you read the Hebrew letter, verse chapter 11, and it lists all of those characters and every one of it said, By faith. By faith Noah built an ark. By faith Moses Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And you read that whole chapter. And every one of them starts out by faith. They believed in God. And therefore they obeyed God. That's what faith does for us. Leads us to do what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has commanded. Now back to Romans chapter 4. Verse 4 and 5. Now to him who works... The wages are counted as of grace, or not counted as of grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Now we're going to deal with this subject quite a bit in this chapter. This righteousness that God gives us, he said, that faith that we have is accounted for righteousness. And as I said a while ago, that faith leads us to obey the commandments or the will of the Lord concerning us. Now go with me to Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 16. He said, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, I want to stop right there. If we try to go back and live under that law or keep that law, he said, that doesn't justify anybody. So why make the effort to go back and try to keep that Old Testament law? We're going to get some more of this in just a minute. But he said, man is not justified by works of the law. I don't know how much plainer statement you could find than that. Verse number 17, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed... I make myself as a transgressor. For through the law, 
For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I do not flusterate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. Isn't that simple? When we let the Word of God tell us exactly what He wants us to know, He said if we try to go back and be justified by that law, then Christ's death was all in vain. Because that law could justify, then why the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we try to be justified by our righteousness, you know it's pretty worthless. Isaiah said, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. I want to tell us tonight, brothers and sisters, if we try to be justified by our works, by our doing, he said that's just like filthy rags. Not going to work. Not going to help us. We must remember that faith is doing what the Master has commanded. Galatians 5 and verse number 6. Paul said, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availed anything nor uncircumcision. But look, he said, But faith which worketh by love. That's the picture I want to get into our minds tonight. It's our faith, and if it doesn't lead us to obey the teachings of Jesus, then he said, that's a dead faith. All right, back to Romans again. Chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. He said, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God impute righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Well, we've got several things here that we want to talk about a moment. First of all, he said, without works. That's my works. That's works of the law. That's law of Moses. Anytime you try to work out our salvation, it's in vain. I want to make another statement. Obedience to what God commands is not works. It's living by faith. Now, how about the word impute? He talks about imputing sin. The word impute means to take into account or to lay to one's account. To charge it to your account to hold you responsible. So he said, the Lord will not impute 
sin. He won't charge you with that sin. He won't lay that sin on you anymore. It's gone. It's completely forgiven. But how? Let's look. Romans 6, I'll get there in a minute, verse 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sins. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That word freed has been translated in other places as justified, as if it had never, never happened. Now, another scripture before we move on. In 1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath, off, hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the lust of the flesh of men, but to the will of God. We're all here tonight. We believe that we have died to sin. We're no longer the bondage of sin. We're no longer captive of sin. And how did that happen? We'll get to that in just a moment. But notice that we are now to live the rest of our time to the will of God. That's what we need to do. And to do that, we got to open the book and find out what the will of God is, that we may be obedient unto it, that we may live unto it, and when we obey the gospel, that it frees us from sin. We are justified. So when does God not impute sin? When we have obeyed the gospel. That sin is forever gone. As the Old Testament says, as far as the east is from the west. It is removed from your record. Obedience to the will of God is not works, but living by faith, doing what God said. Now, we need to ask ourselves as we read this verse, are we living the rest of our days to the will of God? That was the summation of, those, of the verses that Peter wrote. But to the will of God. May God bless you in that effort. Now back to Romans 4. Verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How was it accounted? While he was circumcised? Or uncircumcised, not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while he was still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. Verse number 12. And the father of circumcision. To those who, do, who not only are of the circumcision. But who also walk in the steps. Of the faith which our father Abraham had. While still uncircumcised. 
For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not made to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Well, now that's quite a reading. Got a lot of stuff in it, but it's pretty easy to grasp. Before he was circumcised, he believed in God. He kept the commandments of God. He obeyed God. And the circumcision was given as a sign of the faith that he had. Simple said. Circumcision was a seal of the faith that he believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness. It could not be by the law, for the law of Moses was not given until several hundred years later. So he did it while he was still away from God, if you will. He wasn't circumcised. He was uncircumcised. And the Romans really dealt on that subject of circumcision. Now go to Romans chapter 2. For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Circumcision of the heart. Who ever heard of such a thing? Let's buy that down the road a little bit. Galatians 5 and verse number 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now I want to connect that with Colossians chapter 2. Look at verse 11 and 12. In whom also we are, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the putting off of the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also we are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. God did the operating. It was on the heart that changed us from a sinner to a child of God. And God made it happen. How? Through the act of baptism. People say, oh no, you don't have to be baptized. Who said that? Wasn't the scriptures. Back to Romans chapter 4, verse number 14. For if these who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. No effect. Verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. How does the law bring about wrath? 
transgression of the law brings the wrath of God. Not only the wrath of God, but also it has consequences if we disobey the commandments of the Lord. Now, while we're talking about obeying the commandments, go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 23 through 25. Then he brought out, then he brought us out from there that we might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to obey all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our God always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to obey all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. That law had to be obeyed. And that law was given only to the children of Israel to be obeyed. While you're thinking about that law, look at this. There were 613 commandments that were given to the children of Israel. There were 368 that said, Thou shalt not. There was 245 said, Thou shalt. People today want you to not preach negative. What did God do? Which is the larger number? He wanted them to be what he wanted them to be. Now back to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. How many times <clears throat> do we talk about Abraham being the father of the Jewish nation of people? But Paul said he's the father of us all. We're all descendants of Abraham. As it is written, I have made your you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and God and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope believed in hope so that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Can we say then that Abraham really believed in God? Have you thought about how many nations of people came as a descendant of Abraham? Isaac had 12 sons. Ishmael had 12 sons. Abraham remarried after Sarah died and had six sons. 
And Abraham had concubines. Now, all of those represents a different nation of people. So we are all descendants of Abraham, right? But look at this in Genesis 15 and verse number 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou art able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. He had all of these descendants. But notice the promise of God in Galatians 3 and verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, or to your seed, who is Christ. Christ fulfilled the promise made to Abraham. That law was given to keep the nation or descendants of Abraham a separate group of people until the promise of Jesus Christ could be fulfilled by his birth. He was to be the seed of Abraham. Romans chapter 4, verse 21 and 22. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed what God had promised and that he was able to keep it and to fulfill that promise. That brings us to verses 23 and 24. I'm going to read these to you out of the New King James that's in the pew. And then we're going to read it out of the old King James. Personally, I disagree with the translation of the New King James Version on this verse. And I'll show you why. He said, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. I got ahead of myself. Verse 25 is what I want to look at. Well, I've already messed it up. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. I apologize. My brain's not working tonight. It shall be imputed unto us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Imputed righteousness. This is something that I have not heard much of in the years that I have lived, been in the church, and I've not heard too many people talk about righteousness being imputed. But faith leads man to do the things that he in whom he believes commands, and then righteousness is imputed. Let me give you an example. In Mark 16 and verse number 16, Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. I want to ask you a question. You believe that? I know most people do, but there's a lot of people outside the walls of this building that don't believe it. Do you believe 
that if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you let me take you up here into this, bapti- this baptistry and baptize you, Jesus will wash away your sin. Do you believe it? If you don't, why not? Because my Lord said it, if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. But he said, if you don't believe, you're going to be condemned. I remind you again of what Jesus said in Luke 6 and verse number 46. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? If we're going to call on him as Lord, why not just simply obey what he said to do. Look at this verse in Philippians 3 and verse number 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Now look at this last phrase. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Brother Van talked to us this morning about the importance of the subject of faith. Faith is so important. Without faith... It is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we come to Christ believing, obeying his commandments, and then that righteousness which is from God by the faith that we have is credited to us as righteousness. Now verse 25, this is where I started a while ago and got messed up. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, look at it in the old King James. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The Greek word from which that word for is translated can be translated as for, or it can be translated because of. Now the translators in the New King James chose to use because of our justification. But the other definition of the word for is in order to obtain. Was it not true that he was raised in order to obtain our justification and not because we were already justified? I just leave those thoughts with you. I want you to think about it. Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, but he was raised up in order to obtain our justification. There's a difference in those definitions. 1 Peter 2, verse 24 and 25, as we bring this to close. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5 and 6, said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was, chast- he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. 
There couldn't be a more important verse for us to remember. He was bruised for our iniquities. The stripes that he wore are the healing power. And he said, All we like sheep have gone astray, but have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Paul wrote in Hebrews 9 and verse number 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. But unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Have you returned? Or are you still wandering? Lost in sin. Without hope and without God in the world. Why live in such a condition separated from God? Jesus paid the price that we all might be free. That promise is ours if we will simply obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you need to do that tonight, the congregation will help you with whatever needs that you have. The invitation is from the Lord. It's not ours. It's from Jesus. Will you accept it as together we stand and sing the song that's been selected?